This is a Hot Pie Media Original. Do you need a little extra spiritual advice in your life? Keen has got you. Keen provides access to vetted psychics and spiritual advisors who provide guidance and insight on life's challenges, clarity and love, relationship, career, and anything else that you can think of. Keen is also one of the most affordable ways to get an instant psychic reading by a professional at any time, literally 24 7. I'm going to have a special code in just a moment, so stick around. It's at trykeen.com. As a new Keen customer, you'll get your first 10 minutes for just $1.99. Then pricing depends on which advisor you choose, and there are some amazing ones that you can browse and search by keyword. It's an affordable way to meet new advisors, and you can even develop an ongoing relationship with monthly benefits. Simply go to trykeen.com slash Amy Edwards and use that link to get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. Again, that's trykeen, K-E-E-N dot com slash Amy Edwards. Welcome to the Amy Edwards Show. I'm your host, Amy Edwards, and we have an incredible interview today with Bree Jenkins. And I met her just a few months ago, and I am so, so excited to spend time with her and listen to her, learn from her, amplify her voice, all the things. You are going to absolutely love this conversation and get so much out of it. She's such a beautiful soul, so incredibly compassionate, so thoughtful, and so knowledgeable about creating your own space. Because as a queer Black woman, she knows a thing or two about not having a seat at the table and how to use your voice effectively and use your story and tell your truth and be vulnerable and show up. And her life perspective, she's done the work on herself. She's done the work to learn. And she's just a bright shining soul and a rising star. And I'm so excited that she's here today with us. And so let me tell you a little bit about Brie. Her name is Brianna Jenkins, but she prefers to go by Brie. But if you want to look her up, B-R-I-O-N-A Jenkins is everywhere.com or on Instagram, Brianna Jenkins. So, all right. So Brie, let me tell you just a few things about her really quick. She celebrates activism, joy, and vulnerability and is a DEI fundraising consultant and DEI and fundraising consultant and speaker. DEI stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And she is extremely experienced and has served on a number of panels in podcasts in conversations far and wide, you can go to her website and there is everything you could ever want in there. And it's really incredible and comprehensive. And you can learn a lot about all that's gone on, especially in the last couple of years in the United States. So she also has her own podcast too. Let me get to that. So she has been given the title, The Love Child of Oprah, Beyonce, and Michelle Obama. And she's a public speaker, an activist, as I said, for the LGBTQIA plus community, um, for people of color communities, for female communities. And she has many years of experience. She's been helping people and as an activist, particularly since she was five years old, which is wild, right? So she's experienced also in the nonprofit sec sector, and she, in the summer of 2020, she started her consulting business, which is Brianna Jenkins Consulting. 
So listen to all this, you guys. So she's on the board of Random Acts, which if you don't follow Random Acts, it is an incredible organization that gives in so, so many ways. She's finishing out her second term as a co-director of the New Leaders Council's Austin Chapter Board. She's been on the boards of Keep Austin Fed, Austin Black Pride, Lone Star Victims Advocacy Projects. And she also appears on panels and stages all over the city, all over the country. She spoke at the 2020 Women's March Rally in Austin, Boss Babes and annual State of the Uterus event, Texas State Business Week. She's been on South by Southwest education panels, South by Southwest EDU panels, and she's done two GISH panels as well about racial equality and justice. And she, as I mentioned, hosts a podcast called The Tea with Brie, and she won in December of 2019. She won the Austin LGBT Chamber of Commerce Rising Star Award. And now she is hosting a talk show, which is for Giddy, which Giddy is the world's largest sexual health platform. And the show is called Bear, B-A-R-E. And it was conceived as a vehicle for celebrities, authors, and athletes to get frank about issues such as eating disorders, pregnancies that were difficult, parenting, sex education, and so much more. So she's so excited to be the host of that. It looks incredible. And the first episode is coming out in just a couple weeks in early March. So I am so excited to support Brie on that and just be a part of all the things that she's doing and watch her rise. So I love this woman so much and you are going to too. So I'm excited about today's conversation too with her because she told me that one of her favorite things about it was that she got to talk about her background. And she said in a lot of these talks that she does, she doesn't get to talk about how she grew up and where she came from. It's almost like, oh, here you are. And so I think that there's so much value when we look back and are able to share all of our stories. You know that. I know that. And Brie does too. And today she gets to share from her heart. And she has so much wisdom also in about using our voice and about creating space for ourselves because we are all deserving, all deserving to be heard, to be valued and to be seen. And so I'm so excited about this. Remember that you can follow her at briannajenkins.com. That's got all her links, but of course on Instagram too, she's very active and we talk a lot about what she's working on right now on Instagram, which sounds incredible and I can't wait to check it out because I haven't checked out that particular thing. So uh, anyway, I will stop yakking about it and get to the interview today. Don't forget, share this with a friend if you feel called. Also rate and review the podcast. I would love to know what you think and those ratings really matter as we grow the show. Stick around to the end and thank you to Brie. Here we go. Let's get to the interview today. How are you feeling? Excited. Me too. Excited and nervous. Are you nervous? I'm always nervous. Really? Mm-hmm. Always. That completely surprises I'm me. I'm always nervous. What do you think that is? Do you think um, it's excitement it's about ex- the new? For sure. It's, which, uh, yeah, I need to be better about my language. I am nervous because I am excited to do something that's something I do often, but it's always different. Yeah. Like I get to podcast and I just get to like show up and do things. But even that, even when I do my own show, I'm nervous. And for me, it just tells me that I care about the thing that I'm doing. I think it, it's I like think a, it it's like a, a mm-hmm. gut check for me. I get excited, but like, I think I'm so relieved to have one thing that I'm not real nervous about mm-hmm. anymore. Like whenever I would play music or do all sorts of other things, I get real, real nervous. Yeah. But something about this, I feel I just feel a little more like this is my safe place. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's not you. Obviously, I'm comfortable with you. It's just like because I feel like it's also a new environment for you and all that, you know? I think it's also like because I'm always trying to be so aware of who I am and what I represent and like how many people see themselves in me that it's just like that pressure of like, I don't know, like someone was telling the other day of like, that's a lie. It wasn't the other day. It was a couple months ago. <laughs> so the other day yeah. encompasses like two years. Truly. Okay. Um, I was at a soccer game. I think I've told you the story. And the girl who came up to me and started crying. Did I not tell you the story? No. Okay. I was at Austin FC, the new soccer stadium mm-hmm. that opened. This was back in June, maybe. And I'm there with my friends. And I got a custom jersey made because that's who I am. <laughs> um, and so I had my last name on the back. And this girl comes up to me and she goes, are you Brianna Jenkins? And I go, yeah, why? And she just starts crying. So my friend Caitlin walks away because she's like so used to this, but I'm I'm still not. And the girl's like, I love your podcast. I love your Instagram. Like it's just meant so much to me. Like I can't believe I get to meet you in person. And I'm just like, I'm just me. Like it's just, I think for me, like I don't actually realize the impact I have on people. I think it's because I come from such a humble family of just like you do great things just to do it, not for like the notoriety or the accolades. And just so if, like for someone to have that much of like a big reaction about meeting me, I was like, oh, okay. So I think it's just knowing now like how much I mean to people I'm just always like but you but I could totally see that because it means you know it's showing them what's possible Mm -hmm. it's showing them like somebody who has not traditionally in this country anyway had a seat at the table you know queer and black and female Mm -hmm. you know and so that's that's why I think it's so cool that we can talk about creating space for Mm -hmm. yourself and that's exactly what that is, yeah. you know. It's so beautiful and so important. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, th- I, I know. I'm trying to stop saying I think. I know that. So am I. Yeah, yeah. I'm really trying. I like, think we are like pulling ourselves back a little bit when we do that, or the word just. I'm just, you know, like yeah. no. Yeah. Okay. I know. Fine. Let's catch each other if we say. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or overusing the word sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I know that I've worked really hard to get where I am and to be all of those things too, like a black queer woman in this country who came from a place of privilege, like grew up with two parents. My parents owned our house. Um, I got to go to college. I had therapies from the time I was 15. Like I've gotten to do all of these really like privileged things. I've, I learned how to ice skate in gym and swim in gym. And I've been able to go to like 15, 20 Broadway plays in my life, like all these sort of privileged things, having a lot of access. And so for me to be in that space, but then also know that people who see themselves in me don't have that same level of privilege a lot of the time. And knowing what that responsibility means of like the identities I hold for me, other people hold as well, but we're not a monolith. Like you can meet me and then meet a girl named Constance who is also a black and queer and a woman and she's going to have a totally different lived experience. And so for me, I've been really trying to focus on educating people on not only dismantling that sort of monolithic thought, but then also just being being able to also create space of like, if I can be here, anyone can be here. And knowing how lucky I've been to be raised by people who were raised by people who worked or volunteered or took part in the civil rights movement to like, I started marching when I was five, like my parents and my family were very um, involved in civil rights and social justice work. And so when I was five, I started marching. Um, My godfather, who's the smartest person I know, 
um, which I've talked You've to you talked about, about him. all the time. So, what, what's his name again? <laughs> Hold on. It's Kennedy Hampton Sr. Yeah. Who God, is, what a name. I know. Truly made for <laughs> the all yes. the things he has. Um, so he's a pastor and he pastors the church that his father founded. And in 1971, they created the Love March in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King. So it's been going on now for 50, 60 years, whatever math is. Okay. Um, I was born in 72. So it's not 50. It's not sorry, 60. Fa- 50, 40, 50. 40. We're going around that. It's sorry, 29. I'm sorry. Um, so for me, being able to be in that space and see Black people and, and allies remember Dr. King in that way and also big. This fight isn't over and inviting people in to continue the fight for social justice and inequality. But then also for me to have been raised in a black Baptist church in the north and have been told my whole life that you're you're able to take up space to never be apologetic of who you are and what you look like. And, you know, being raised by women who I had never heard one woman in my family talk badly about her body my whole life. Never. Not once. Um, which is very important to as we get more into my story later. Um, also was able to see women who chose singleness, women who chose not to have children. So I was really lucky to be raised around, around so many people who taught me how to take up space. And so now when I get to go out and talk to people about like getting started, like, yeah, I went to college. Yeah, I've been able to work at, my gosh, probably like 10 nonprofits in the last 10 mm-hmm. years. Um, the boards have been able to sit on and to constantly be able to go into spaces and never feel like I have to ask, but more like I belong here or you need me here. You need this voice. And because again, privileged and educated and all these things and super palatable to two people who are white, which I know is also a privilege, um, being able to create that space for other people to come in. So when I do leave, they think of bringing in someone else who does identify as I do or someone who is usually quote like a marginalized person and and just giving people that idea to to think outside the box absolutely yeah i've never heard it described as the monolith yeah it's this mono meaning one yeah lith i don't know um but essentially (laughs) lith meaning lith lith. um Mm -hmm. but it's it's monolith like when you meet a black person and this happens with like stereotypes and prejudice like you think that like like, this one represents this one represents all and i think that's what Oh, we've heard from the black woman, you and know, I, like, and I know that's why, like, like, I feel yeah. such pressure, like, because of that monolithic thinking of like, people are going to see me and Shonda Rhimes, who is my favorite, who wrote my favorite book, Year of Yes. She's the writer of like Grey's Anatomy. I love Scandal. that book. I've read it. It's my favorite book. I, thought it, it, I read it's it every year. Incredible. It's so I've good. recommended it so many times. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Every time someone's like, what should I read? I'm like, Year, Year of Yes. yes. Um, but she talks about being... I can't remember the direct quote, but it's like being the first only different, I think, is that is the way she describes it. But it's talking about how when she was writing Grey's of like how she knew if she dropped the ball, I think it was Scandal, one of the two, of how like if she dropped the ball on the show, it being the first like TV show in that spot led by a black woman, it was Scandal in like 20 years. She knew that that could mean another 20 years. Yeah, like the pressure was on her to represent everyone everyone so it's that monolith of like if i screw up i don't just screw up for me i screw up for everyone right and i think that's like being late is a really big thing for me which we're texting about today i hate being late because of the prejudice of like black people are always late and feeling that pressure of like i can never be late because then it says black I've people are heard late, that before. late and unprofessional and lazy and all these things that kind of come in from societal pressure so i'm super big on myself to like 
be on time. Also knowing that like on time air quotes is steeped in white supremacy. It's that idea of like the only way to be seen as professionals X, Y, and Z. And so Mm -hmm. one of them is time. Um, But yeah, so just always knowing that like I am very privileged, but also I am also all these things that a lot of people will stereotype or prejudice against me for. She has a thing in that book about being on time when she mm-hmm. remember when she's going to the uh, she's going to like a an event yep. and, and her daughter like asked all the pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was like, I'm just going to be like, I think about that all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think about, you know, just letting go of of just these imposed pressures that don't matter. Like a lot of them don't matter. And that's why you coming here, I want you relaxed. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't want you. Yeah, like, you're like, you're I don't fine. Ca- like, okay. and, and really now that I'm doing two shows a week, I was like, I'll just do the <laughs> other one. I'll, I was going to do it after it's yeah. fine. So, you know, but anyway, I, I, I didn't think of it being rooted in white supremacy and, and, you know, these rules of like how it is, mm-hmm. but it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I talk about like taking up space a lot because of all the things I've been able to do, especially here in Austin. Like I've loved living here, but I also know that I'm very privileged to live here. Like this was my first big move. I was 26. I didn't know anything about anything. The only person I knew was my best friend who I've known since I was 12. Shout out to you, John, um, who was living here. And he was living here and I visited for four days and I was like, I love it here. He's like, you're never going to move. And I don't like being challenged and I feel like he <laughs> mostly trapped me into moving. Um, but yeah, I felt I was here for four days and I just, it just felt right. And so I went back home to Connecticut um, in September and I started looking for jobs, like interviewing virtually, like back when Skype was big, I was doing lots of Skype interviews, um, came back in April, found an apartment. One of my really good friends was moving with me to Austin. Um, and, you know, I drove my aunt down. She moved from Connecticut to right outside Colleen, so like an hour from here the month before. So Where? Corpus Cove? No, yeah. Copper's Cove. Copper's Cove. I grew up in Colleen. Yeah. So my, so I have family in Copper's. And okay. so I drove her, we drove down from Connecticut to there. And then I f- drove here, got my apartment, went back. And then I was driving myself down. I drove down myself when I moved here. And How then, long did that take? It took like 18 hours or something. Oh, well, so sure tw- it's it 24 hours straight through. So like my aunt and I made it in 24. Like we just kept switching off. So like I would sleep and she would yeah. drive and she would sleep and I would drive. Wow. Um, but then when I, I came down a month later and did the drive by myself and I got here in 26 hours. Good God. So I like left at 3 a.m. And then I drove straight through to Virginia, got a hotel room, slept for five hours, got back on the road, stopped at like 3 a.m., slept for an hour. And then I drove straight from Tennessee to Austin. So it was like a 16 hour day. That's a long drive. I've and I did it straight through. So for like stopping <laughs> for gas, but I was like, I'm so close. So like now all my friends joke that I like miss my calling as a long haul truck driver. I'm just like, I just did a road trip this, this fall. Right. I went from Austin to Nashville, to Philly, to Boston, to Connecticut, to Jersey, back to Nashville. Good God, home. you did. Yeah. Um, and still 13 hour days. Like just I know who to Austin call when I have Na- a long drive. Truly my uh-huh. favorite thing. Austin and Nashville, 13. Nashville to Philly is 13. And so I was like, I'm just going to do two days back to back. And then I was exhausted. <laughs> well, anyway, you made it here. I made it here. You made it here. Um, so yeah, I moved to Austin. Wow, that was a tangent. I mean, I moved <laughs> it's okay. To, I moved I'm, to Austin. I was interested. Um, moved to Austin and, you know, I was... Already questioning my sexuality. Um, again, I've known John since I was 12 and John is gay. And so from the time I was like 12 to like 14, I was always at like out like supporting HRC. Like we'd go up to New York and go to like Pride or, you know, when we both turned 21, I would go to gay bars with him. And I was like, oh, no, I'm just an ally. And then realized that like, no, I'm into I'm into all genders. Um, 
And then the Pulse nightclub shooting happened two weeks after I moved here. Oh, wow. And as of, I'm a Pisces. So I was a very emotional person. Oh, when's your birthday? March 18th. It's okay. in a month-ish. Um, mm-hmm. And so when that happened, we, you know, a lot of us decided to like go and hold a vigil, essentially all the gay bars downtown. So like John picked me up. We met some friends down there. And all day I was like, why am I not crying? Like that internal sort of check. Um, so I went home and just like meditated on it. I was like, oh, because after reading how many of the folks who were murdered at Pulse, how many of their families didn't know and my family didn't know. It was like this reality check of like, you need to tell people and they can react how they want to react. But their reaction has nothing to do with you. You get to move to this new place, start over, live authentically. Um, so I, w- I called some people. I texted some others. Um but really lucky that like my family is great and super accepting. And, you know, I didn't lose anyone in my, in my circle because I was queer. But, you know, knowing that that is a privilege, but then being able to unpack what meaning queer or being queer meant to me living in this very, excuse me, this very <laughs> queer city. Um, Austin has the third largest queer population in the whole country. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I think it's like LA, New York and us <laughs> or New York, LAS. Um, but then, yeah, just being able to. Then jump into activism work here um, between speaking about reproductive justice and immigration and all the all the things. Um, So over the last few years, being able to really hone into my activism life. But then also when the pandemic hit, I had gotten let go from a job that I really didn't care about. Um, We'll start the best. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Um, And so I had a friend who. Her and her husband, her, her, her husband and her friend of theirs are these TV actors. And they're like, hey, we're going to do a virtual panel about um, civil rights and social justice. Um, she's like, you're, you're the one person I want to bring on. And I was like, OK. And now, mind you, I've done speaking stuff since I was like seven or eight. Like, I'm not a shy person, but I was just like me. And the last few years of like really learning, one, how to accept a compliment because I'm like the, ter- the worst at that. But then two... Also knowing that like people are actually watching what I do because I just like I said, I just come from this very humble family. You do things because it means something to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So for her to like ask me, I was like, oh, I'm honored. And so we did that one. It got really great reviews. I think now it has like over uh, 200,000 views on the video. And then we did a second one. um, And that's kind of how my company started. I had gotten like go from a job and. I had been talking about social justice work. Um, so I do DEI work. So like diversity, equity, inclusion, but then also like professional development training around like leadership and creating space. Um, I also do fundraising work. So I help small nonprofits with their marketing and fundraising. And then also people can hire me as like a public speaker to come in and either mm-hmm. host a panel or be on a panel. Um, but just knowing that like so many people get to experience me and that and that I might be their only experience ever of like a black queer woman or a black woman or a black person that they've had in a very long time or ever. And also being able to say that like, it is never my job to persuade you. I'm just here to give you perspective and add humanity for a lot of people who don't see that level of of people as as human. Um, especially like when I deal with like conservative, racist white men. Yep. Um, and being able to walk into a training and be like, we're going to talk about privilege today, but we're going to start by talking about mine and how that just like lowers their like defensiveness of being like, oh, crap, like she's not going to yell at me for two hours. She's going to actually talk to me about all these things and never like pacifying, but just really giving the perspective and the conversation of like this. It's ultimately that's like an awareness. Yeah. Just get Mm self-aware, get self-aware of what other people have 
and don't have what you have and you don't have, you know, and many times people just lack that awareness. Yeah. Or they've never had to think about it, right? Like sure. we live in a country where if you are white and wealthy and straight and cisgender, meaning you um, identify with the gender you were assigned at birth. So like I was assigned female at birth. I identify as a woman. I'm cisgender. Um, so if you're all those things, you don't have to really think about right. that stuff. Um, and so I think, you know, whenever people are able to have me talk to them or listen to what I'm saying, it just kind of like lowers that. And, 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 you know, and I also know like it creates room for conversation for a lot of people. I'm like, if you don't have the emotional or mental space to talk to someone, just send them an episode of my podcast, just send them something I've talked about, send them an interview I've done. Like, I love that I get to now be a resource for people. And because I love doing this work and I have that sort of privilege to be able to do that work um, and knowing what that can mean for people, especially like during the holiday season of like, I have to go deal with Uncle Bob, who Uncle mm -hmm. Bob is probably not the best. Um, and being able to be like, hi, before we come into this space, I'm not going to argue with you. I would have a conversation with you, but I'm not going to yell. In the meantime, we'll love for you to watch this video and we could talk about it when we see each other. And just like having people message me back, like you've created space in my family for us to have uncomfortable conversations and for us to be able to like sit in that awkward silence and know that we all don't have to have the answers, but to just create that space has meant so much. And now you have this um, sex talk show, which it sounds like a very natural progression and offshoot of that because it's essentially kind of the same thing, mm -hmm. right? If we can get more open and talk about sex, because I, I do it here on this show too. Like, um, I just want us to be honest, you know, I want everybody to be like well, honest. I think everyone's just so afraid to be uncomfortable. And it's like, yeah, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Well, I, that. And then also I said on that initial um, yeah. panel we did of like change happens in the uncomfortable places. Like mm -hmm. I never want to be comfortable. Like, you know what I mean? Like I like being uncomfortable. I like having awkward silence. I like learning more. <laughs> like so. But I think sex, sex is still so taboo. And it's like, how do you think we all got here? Someone had sex and we mm -hmm. were born or some of us just have sex to have sex. Like we don't have to have sex to like have a baby. Um, yeah, I was at this event the other night and she was like, and like, she was saying something about orgasms and she was like, and who's had an orgasm today or something? Justin's in here. And, and I just thought, yeah, everybody here, like everybody here has orgasms, you know? <laughs> and I was like, huh. Sometimes you just kind of forget the reality yeah, of the situation. Yes. Absolutely. Everybody's and doing it. Everyone's doing <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, so with this talk, it's called Bear, B-A-R-E. Um, I'm working with this company called Giddy. And yeah, we're just having conversations with all types of people about sex and sexual health. And, you know, I had Angel, who was on season six of Queer Eye that was shot here in Austin. She's become a really good friend. But we talk about her experience, of, like being a trans woman and bringing a trans woman in sports and what that's meant for her. And, you know, this sort of like ban on trans folks in sports. Um, my friend Aiden Dowling came on and we talked about him being the first trans man to be on the cover of Men's Health and you know, his journey from identifying as a butch lesbian to now being a trans man to being a husband and a father and, you know, who taught you about sex and what, like all these things that like, I think so many people are afraid to ask or have conversations about. But again, it's like, we're all, we're all doing it and that's mm -hmm. okay. And I was actually editing an episode today of my podcast and my friend, it's my friend, Sydney, who's going to be the episode in it for like 10 minutes. We talk about like this dude I was hitting on because I wanted to sleep with him. And I'm like, I'm going to leave this in. But it's like this new like edge to me. Like I don't really talk about it. And I was like, do I take it out? I was like, because I felt sort of cringy about it. But I think it's like the taboo part of like, 
no, we all have sex and we were allowed to talk about it. So I left it in um, and just like knowing that like people are going to like maybe be kind of caught off guard because it's like not something I usually talk about. But I'm also like, but I'm also almost 32 years old. Like I'm a grown up. I've had sex. And I, I look yeah. at it that way all the time. I'm like, we're all complete whole people. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and talk about every aspect. <clears throat> you know, you know, sex is a part of your life. So let's talk about it. Yeah. I feel like uh, when I became a mom, that was like a whole thing that was just brushed as- aside mm-hmm. and people would just identify as this role, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But in that case, a mom and they would just like push aside, like talking about sex or anything like that. And I'm like, no, 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 you're a full fledged human. Mm-hmm. And so you have all the emotions and you have all, all the, the everything's. Yeah. Everything. And, uh, mm-hmm. I was a virgin until I was 22. Mm-hmm. That's the math. Yeah. Um, and so just thinking about like, right, sorry to the dude, the first dude I had sex with, but it was terrible. Um, and being able to talk to people about it. And now it's like become this whole conversation I have. Um, but being able like as a woman, as a black woman specifically and like in this country, how black women didn't like really get to own their body because of slavery and all those sort of things. But I think back women to in general too. Women in, I yeah, mean, truly. Yeah. Um, but for my 30th birthday, I did I did a nude photo shoot and held oh, flowers yeah. in front of myself. Um, and then I posted them because that's I, need, I need to go deeper on your Instagram. I, I will find them and send them to you. Um, but forgetting that my my Nana, my dad's mom, follows me on Facebook. <laughs> and so I posted the photos and she calls me. Didn't text. She calls me and she goes. Of course she calls. She calls. And I see it and I'm like, damn it, because I totally forgot. Um, but <clears> did she love it? She did love them. She her direct quote was, "These photos are so beautiful, but why did you feel the need to show the internet your body?" And having that conversation with her of like, "I'm taking back my sexuality and my body, especially in a society and a country that tells me that my that my body gets to be over sexualized, but not by me. That I am, you know, there for the aesthetically pleasing of men when it feels like suitable for them. Like, no, this is me saying." I enjoy my body and I'm inviting you into the space to also be enjoy it. Um, but, you know, to take back consent to say that this is my body and I'm allowing you to look at it versus like, you know, when people just like see photos and like gawk at them. Like for me, it was just such a freeing moment to kind of stick it to society and be like, I get to love and appreciate my body and I'm allowing you to do the same. You and, just phrased exactly how I feel, yeah. but I didn't. I didn't have it in those words, yeah. but that is how I feel about it. Cause I like kind of put my tits on display or whatever. And I'm like, I think they're pretty. And this is me just also, they're just boobs, not they're just, just boobs. boobs. Like, they're no, just they really boobs. are. They're just and boobs. Yeah. The way that like, I think about this often as like, cause I do a lot of reproductive justice work and we're talking right now in Texas about how abortion access is about to be limited yeah. and all these things. And, you know, a friend and thank I were, you for doing that work. Thank you. I, um, I'm in if you need me. I'm a big well, abortion. I will probably choice advocate. Um, my friend and I were talking about how like, like you're saying now, like before a woman has a kid or before a person has a kid, um, how your body is like seen as so sexual and all these things. So like the fact that like now when women start breastfeeding, like we've seen how much of a big conversation breastfeeding has been for so long. Like, can you breastfeed in public? Should you cover yourself? And like, it's like at this point, my boob is just still a boob, but also it's serving a purpose. And, it, you know, we think of it so much from the male gaze of like, is a man still going to find this sexy? And it's like, I don't give a crap what he thinks. I'm trying to keep my child alive. And so having those conversations about like, again, like the things we get to do with our body for ourselves and not for the approval or the celebration coming from men. 
And how do you see the progress in that so far right now? The fact that like breastfeeding, like I had a boss when I first moved here um, who like she had a baby when I first moved here and to know how many loops she had to jump through just like go and like breastfeed or like she like went to a whole separate room in the whole separate side of the building to like go breastfeed and like put her milk in the fridge. And I was like, why are we making our mom still do this? Or like having mom to like have to like pump all day or like all these like things that like we should just make it so much easier. So I think conversations are definitely happening, but it's also like, well, we need to fix the healthcare system in the United States. Like there's no reason why mom should only be having three to six months, mostly unpaid leave when we should be paying them to be home. Um, We also need universal healthcare in this country, which is another thing I'm like willing to die on that hill about. Um, And also thinking about, and a conversation we have in that space is like, if we had universal healthcare, do you know how many more like creatives we would have? How many more entrepreneurs we would have? Um, same with affordable college. If we had college that was affordable, we probably would have a cure for cancer by now because someone would have been in school, could afford to go to school and will have found a cure for it. So I just think it's just, I mean, I'm the most liberal, liberal to ever liberal. If you ask my family, <laughs> which I know, it's fine. But it's just I'm like, a very bleeding heart myself. But I'm just so. like, if we made it so much easier, we would have <laughs> so many more things. And, you know, I just recorded an episode with a friend who lives in um, the UK. And I've been joking, like, maybe we'll just move to the UK. Like, I, I mean, nothing's perfect. But at least they have, like, universal health care and all these things. And they have public transportation that's way better than here in the United States. And she and I were talking because she has a disability. And so she came to the to the U.S. probably like six months ago. And she was telling me like how difficult it is to travel around the U.S., especially if you have a disability, because we don't have a train system around the whole country that goes from coast to coast. Um, so she had to take like connecting flights and she had to take the bus and all these other things that like as a disabled person who has very limited mobility, like for her to get on a bus was so much work and, you know, how much it takes out of her physically. And just, you know, that's another thing I can also tangent about is just access. I feel like it's just such a big thing that, again, is just a way that like we don't think about taking up space. It's like you are just able to if you are a person without a disability, which she made a good point too. shout out to you, Miranda, of like it is now categorized like you either have a disability or you've or you're predisposed to disability. Like in your life, everyone will have a disability. That includes pregnancy, because technically you're disabled when you're pregnant because of all these things that go on with your body. Um, you'll break a bone, you'll having you'll develop anxiety. Like there's all these different things. Like you either already have one or you are pre pre disabled. And it's like such a different way to think about your life of like at some point there will be something in my life that I have to navigate that I don't have to navigate now or think about now. Um, and that's also a big thing. Obviously, I'm also like obsessed with access and disability. Well, yeah, and a lot work. of people just aren't willing to even think about it until it happens to them. And then mm-hmm. suddenly it's like, oh, my God, we have to do something about this. And it's yeah. like every Congress member. And, right. You know, I'm like, like, what are you, you waiting for? If you think about like going into stores, like you either have to take stairs, like there's no ramp outside or there's like that one like annoying little curb that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it is a ramp, it's like. You have to go all the way around. Like it's never like, and, and yeah, there's just all these different things that a lot of people don't think about as far as like access and taking up space and making things. Yeah. Work until it for happens. Everyone, until it happens to you. Yeah. I've had a major injury. And I mean, like, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was very different time. Right. I had to relearn to walk and it's just like, okay, you know, and so you do it and you learn. And then um, the beauty of that is that we become more compassionate individuals, yeah. you know? 
And so it just takes those things sometimes Surely. to develop that compassion. Are you ready to take more action on your hormonal health? I hear you. Let's Get Checked is ready to help. So I'm partnering with Let's Get Checked to promote their PCOS test. PCOS is a hormone problem that interferes with women's reproductive systems. It's very common and very undiagnosed. That's right. It's estimated that up to 75% of women with PCOS remain undiagnosed when visiting with their doctor. So if you have any symptoms, listen to these, losing weight, dealing with acne, mood disorders, consider trying a PCOS test from Let's Get Checked. They are the leader in at-home testing, and it is super simple, affordable, and confidential. And yes, you can do it from the comfort of your own home. You can improve your health in 2222, but you've got to measure your health. Don't let your hormones hold you back this year. Check your levels and get 30% off at TryLGC. That's Let's Get Checked. TryLGC.com slash Amy. Use code Amy30 for 30% off your entire order at TryLGC.com slash Amy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If there's something that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp is there to help. They will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And yes, have I done it? Yes, I have. It is incredible. It really pushed me to some things that I needed to see. Anyway, I I totally believe in what BetterHelp has going on. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. And it is, like I said, professional therapy done securely online with a broad range of expertise and available worldwide. You can log in anytime, send a message, and you can switch therapists anytime you need to because they are committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it easy and free to change therapists anytime that you need to. It's also more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. How cool is that? They want you to start living a happier life today. So check out their testimonials on their review page and then simply go to betterhelp.com slash AES for Amy Edwards show and get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash AES. I was watching a uh, video of you, and I know (laughs) I did a little homework. There's so much content Um, out there, so bless you. (laughs) And I know there is. There's a lot. So you know, but I was just excited to flow with our conversation, (laughs) and I just, I just think it's really beautiful, like how much your voice is out there. Because I'm a Mm. voice nerd, so, Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. I was just wondering though, like, um, there was a video. It's on your website actually about like a day in the life of you. And you are speaking with someone on Zoom and she was telling you about an incident in Aurora with a family that was pulled over for a stolen car and it Mm -hmm. wasn't a stolen car. Mm -hmm. And so that's in the video. But you were like, you were still smiling and being kind, but you were just like, I hate everyone right now. I hate everyone. And I think, you know, I just am curious, like, what gets you? Because like you have Mm -hmm. a really sweet way about you, you know, but um, like what what gets you? That's so funny you bring this up. Yesterday, and then I'll answer the question. Um, yesterday, the maintenance guy had to come in and fix something in my apartment. And he was like telling me, he's like, hey, like, I don't have this part. Like, I have to run back downstairs, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. Like, 
he's like, you're not upset. I was like, it's life. Like, what am I going to be upset about? Like, it's just, it just is what it is. And he's like, you are such a nice person. And I was like, oh, we're just like, there's no point in like stressing about a lot of stuff. Like, this is all not going to matter in like 10 minutes, 10 years from now. Like, what am I stressed about? Um, so to answer your question, that's definitely a question I always ask myself. Like, will this matter in five minutes, five weeks, five months, five years? That's like my number one check-in before I like get overly upset about anything. Um, it takes a lot to make me mad. I can usually brush things off, but I know that's come with a lot of therapy, a lot of journaling, a lot of like self-work that I've done. Um, but things that get me mad is, are the things I work to dismantle. Racism, ableism, phobias. Um, that's why you do what you do. That's why I do what right? I do. And, and you know, I, I love but hate that trope of like, when you find what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I'm like, no, my job is hard. Like, <laughs> I work for myself and sometimes I don't like my boss. Like, some days I'm like, do I want to get up and do this? I'm like, I, but then I say like, I'm so lucky to work for myself. Get up and do it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot that makes me mad. Um, I think the, f- I know that the first thing that makes me really mad is just the constant exhaustion I feel of stress. You and I were just talking about stress off mic. I'm like, I'm always stressed. And I think it's just come, it comes from never feeling safe in this country and having to have that conversation with a lot of friends, especially over the last few years. Um, my best friend Shelby and I travel a lot. She does travel um, blogging and food blogging for her full-time job. And so I've been really lucky to be able to go with her, but we travel all over and you know, we traveled to parts of Texas and I tell him like there, I would not go to this place without you. And we've had to talk about what that means and her privilege. She's white of, you know, what her whiteness allots me when I'm with her. Um, and so I think for me, it's just that navigation of constantly have to worry about my safety, even when I'm home. And, you know, I live in a very posh apartment, um, in a gated apartment, um, and still, like, knowing that, like, whenever I see a police officer at my apartment, I still get nervous because I'm always just like, oh, my God, I know what the police have meant in this country for black people. Whenever I'm driving, even if I'm doing nothing wrong, I'm just constantly anxious about that. And so if, for me, it's just the constant nav- navigation and feeling sort of on edge, like I'm never super relaxed, um, which is terrible for my blood pressure. I know my doctor is so mad at me. Um, but thinking that's probably the top one of just – no matter where I am, people are going to see me make an assumption, no matter what. And I can, you know, I've had places who people have looked at me and then I go on stage and speak and then their demeanor completely changes. Um, I've had people who t- say that I am only where I am because I've gotten lucky or for people who I know. And I'm like, I'm very big on like working my ass off. Like I have never had a handout in my life. Um, but. I know people see me and who I'm connected with and just assume that they've gotten me to where I am. I'm like, I've been doing this work since I was five. Like before I knew myself, I was doing this work. Right. And so it's just that it's how people discount me in order to make themselves feel better. It's how people discount me in order to push this sort of near narrative around black women. Um, and yeah, just the societal pressures of like all these things I have, I'm quote, supposed to do or be in order to be palatable. And I'm like, I hate that. Like just the the constant thinking about my safety and what I look like and not like even aesthetically wise. It's just like if I want to run out and get gas and sweatpants and just not think about it. But then knowing that like 
an elderly white woman will make an assumption about me because she sees me. And then what does that mean for other black women who are and and you know, and I understand like that's my anxiety talking. Um, but also knowing that it's very real for a lot of people. And so those are those are probably the top ones of it's less about things, because like I can get past things. It's mostly about interactions um and responses to me. Yeah, that's really well said. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want so bad for those things to change you know that's why i do what i do and i and i tell I'm people glad. all the time like my my top two things in life is are if someone sees me and i give them permission to try something they never would have thought of trying before that's all i really need in life um and that i just want everyone to feel as free as i do like even with all of the stuff i just talked about i am so proud of myself for having done the work to be able to both like and love myself and not need outside validation, which I know is such a big deal. Um, I've been... It's a practice. It's such a practice. It's a practice for me, um, for sure. I was just telling your neighbor next door, because we were talking about the Michelle Obama Becoming book, mm -hmm. um, and her team sent me the journal that goes with this like oh, two or three years ago, which cool. I was like, how'd you find I me? I love the book. I was like, first of all, how'd you find me? Does Michelle know I exist? Because <laughs> I love her. Oh my God. I met her once. And her and Oprah, like I just got chills. Like if I, I ever get to meet her and Oprah, I might pass out. I, I can I tell you what please, happened? Please, I, I have chills. Uh, <laughs> this is a sidebar. Yeah, I um got invited with a friend who was a donor to Obama, and she, her husband didn't want to go to the Christmas party or whatever that they were invited to. And, and she, my my husband at the time uh, was living and working in D.C. And so I was like, she was like can you go? And I was like, yeah. And so I went. And so you get your opportunity to meet them and have a photo op. I'll have to share use the photo op with you. And so we met both of them and I was fine meeting Barack. But when I met her, I literally just burst into tears. I, and I, I completely didn't expect it. So she is so gracious, of course. And it must happen to her all the time because she was completely not phased. And she hugged me and she's just like, she just hugged I me and I was her. just like so overcome with like, I just love her. So anyway, it I was, yeah, it was really, it was could, really great. I could cry listening to that story. I'm like, <laughs> I love her so much. I, I can still feel the emotion <sighs> and I don't even know exactly what the emotion was, just who she is, what she represented, mm -hmm. that she opened doors for people and, and just, and just that she stayed strong through so many things, yeah. especially if people have read her book or listened to it yeah. as I did. Ugh. which I recommend listening to it oh, too. I was just saying like, I've been trying to listen to her book, but I keep crying. Her <laughs> voice just gets me and I'm like, okay, focus. You can do this. Like it's like one, two pages a day. I'm like, okay, we're going to work there. <clears throat> um, I mean, she just makes people cry. <laughs> so yeah, her team, like I had posted about getting the book and someone from her production, I mean, her publisher's team or what have you sent me the journal that goes with it. And I was like, oh my God, I almost passed out when the package arrived. Anyway, um, I'm legit crying. <laughs> I cry. I've already cried twice. So, um, so I've been working through her journal because I want to write a memoir slash a self help book, which is my favorite genre of book. Obviously, me too. Um, and so I've been writing her journal prompts every day for the last three days, um, and sharing it on social. And for me, it's to work through my perfectionism, which is also steeped in white supremacy. Um, but I get so like in my head about writing and writing 
grammatically correctly and, you know, making sure the punctuation's right. And I'm like, I'm just going to write it and post it. And I put a disclaimer. I'm like, hi, I just write the things and push them out. I don't need anyone telling me I spelled anything wrong. Like, I just want to get this no, out. That's how you should write. Like they say should. Yeah. But yeah, just, just, just get write. it out. Just write. Don't just get it or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. So I've just been putting it out. Um, as a way to combat my perfectionism. Um, and the response has been so nice, but I'm always like, I'm just sharing it so that other, that, so that someone else feels compelled to share their stories. I think we all right. have such interesting stories and, you know, that's the biggest and quickest way to build connection is by storytelling. Um, but yeah, so I've just been like writing and taking space that way. And I, I've been trying to talk better about myself. I'm a really good writer. I had, Bet but, you are. But I've been putting it off so much because of like, you're supposed to be humble and not be a perfectionist. I'm like, no, but I'm a good writer. And so this one girl I went to college with, like we weren't super close during college, but like we've reconnected. And so she's been reading it every day. She goes, I would have no idea. I'm so ha happy that you're sharing this. Like it's just like another way for people to get to know you better. And I'm like, I just, I just want us all to feel how free I feel, even on days when that are super hard or I'm depressed and just lay in my bed and want to isolate. And even still, like, writing has been such a solace for me. And just be like, it is the saying, like, it's a bad day, it's not a bad life. And that's from, like, again, like, I've... I never heard that. Yeah. And it's really, it really changed my thinking as a person who deals with suicide, suicide, who deals with depression, who has had thoughts of suicide. Like, I wrote about that yesterday of, like, the times where I just physically wanted to die and times when I had a plan and... And it's a whole story, but essentially, like I had pills and alcohol, and I was like super close. Um, and my family were very connected, but we all have like these like sixth sense feelings. And so it was like twelve in the morning, and my godmother called me as I have the stuff sitting in front of me, and she goes, "I just woke up out of a dead sleep and called you. I don't know what's going on. I, I love you. Chance. You're going to be okay." And I was like, "Okay, I love you too." hung up the phone and like flushed everything. Wow. And then I got my dream job two weeks later. Wow. And just, and, you know, there's things that have happened in my life like this all the time of just like God or the universe just intervening and just really showing me that like you're on the right path. And there's been times when I just, I mean, I love my job now, but you know, a thing we don't talk about when you go into consulting or working for yourself that like you are waiting around for contracts and money is tight and being a grown up is hard. And, you know, I left a really secure job that I wasn't happy in. I was like, I'm 31 years old. Why am I dealing with contentness and sitting and asking myself that question? And so I went back to full time consulting. But now, you know, loving my job and being successful in it. But there are times that I'm like, was this the right choice? Like, I'm waiting for this check to come in and just feeling all those pressures because I'm like about to be 32. And you know, that whole thing, like you quote should have your life together by now. And I'm like, says who says who, but also like, I don't, and I'm still like a full functioning member of society, but it's that too, of like telling people in being able to write about it, of like, again, like social media is such like the highlight reels and what people choose to share. And for me to have be able to create my space on Instagram and share my, my podcast of like, you only get the highlight reels, but I also like to share the stuff that's tough because I just feel like so much like, um, what's it called? Like toxic positivity on Instagram mm -hmm. is just running rampant. And so for me to like have that sort of corner of the internet of like, hi, I have dealt with eating disorders and depression and suicidal thoughts and losing a parent and not talking to another parent and, you know, all these different things of like, yes, you all, the, the, the sort of metaphor I use is like, Beyonce, because obviously 
I see myself in her. Um, of like, we see Beyonce as like this really fantastic performer who's done all these things and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but we don't get to see the behind the scenes work. The like, she didn't get to see her kids. She had to skip that thing. Like I tell people like, you're going to see the behind the scenes stuff. And then you also get to see the concert I put on um, because I just never want people to, I never want that disconnect of like, I think a lot of people who like, like crying about Michelle, I'm like, she's still human, but also like this level that we hold her to of like, is a one of respect and love, obviously. But it's also that thing of like, when you put people on pedestals, they don't get to just be people. Yeah. And so I want to still be <clears throat> a person and you are and that's what's that's one of the most inspiring things too is that you know you you are creating more space for everybody's voice i'm always just i'm one of my messages is just constantly like your story is unique to you so mm-hmm. there is just absolute value in that so tell it mm-hmm. you know let it out let out your truth and um i'm glad to hear that you're writing I have no doubt that you're a great writer. I love it. It's been scary, but I've been making myself do it first thing in the morning. It's like I, that's I think one of the best times yeah. you before bed. I'm like the other no, best I'm too time tired. is any time. Truly, <laughs> truly, <laughs> yes. And finding time for it is really you know challenge yeah. at and, least for me. And that's been the thing. Um, I love journaling. Um, a friend of mine, Laura, um, has a company called All's Well, um, and so she talks about like the like four by four of like you write four minutes a day four days a week and just like getting that out there like everyone has four minutes right like we can find four minutes if it's dropping off your kids and right after you just write a note or you're waiting in line for coffee in the coffee line like take that time write it and then just and the other funny thing is like I'll just write it and then forget about it like I like dump it out and then I'm like okay I've done it for the day and then it's not to like People read it and like, oh, my gosh, I love this. I'm like, I don't remember what I wrote. Like, I blacked out and just wrote it. And then I have to go back and read. I'm like, oh, yeah, like that. That happened. So for me, like trying to write this book, if I think about it, like as a book, it's too much. I'm like, if I write a journal prompt every day and then I can go back and like combat that writer's block and that perfectionism has been. Super it's a muscle just like every single other Absolutely. thing that, that there possibly is, you know, just yeah. exercise it and it gets better just like yeah. everything else. Well, so. How is your mental state now? Like, mm-hmm. do you, speaking of, you know, muscles, like, you know, you've exercised it and, you know, you're stronger now than you were mm-hmm. and getting stronger every day. And so how are things now? And like, what practices do you have around those to stay in that space of like self-love and stuff? I'm just, I'm curious yeah. about. Um, So I've also dealt with body image issues and um who yep. hasn't um and if you haven't you're very lucky and i yeah. love that for you and um, you even grew up in a really affirmative mm-hmm. household for that it sounds yeah. like but i grew up in the early uh, i was born in 90s so like when i like quote came of age like turned 10 it was like the early 2000s mm-hmm. and like oh god everyone was super, super thin super skinny super white had very Oof. long hair and so for me i was like well i'm a short curvy black girl who doesn't have long hair but i can be skinny and so, like, that's where that started. And, like, my mom caught it really early. I went to the doctor. Um, and then, you know, when she passed, the wounds when it got really bad. So my mom passed. She was 39. I was 15 turning 16. And the first month that she died was a month and two weeks before my 16th birthday. And I lost, like, 30 pounds Good a month. God. And so my aunt lived up the street. Um, her kids and I went to the same school. So she saw me every day at drop-off. But she didn't see me for like two weeks because I was just like dry at that point. Like I would I took the bus, but we're on different buses anyway. Um, so when she saw me a month later, she's like, holy crap, 
And so luckily she talked to my dad and we had therapy at school. So I was able to do one-on-one therapy once a week during lunch. So I didn't, I mean, um, during study hall, so I didn't miss a class, but then also we had a group therapy for students who had lost parents. So I was also really lucky, super wow. privileged to be in that space. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And this was 2006. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so all that to be said, um, to answer your question, my mental health practice now is working out because I love my body, not because I hate it. Mm-hmm. I really love lifting. So it's like been, I will like make myself walk for 10 minutes on the lift. I mean, on the treadmill. Cause I'm like, gotta hit your heart rate up, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I hate cardio. God, I hate cardio. I hate running. My boobs are too big to run. I can't. Your boobs are way too big it's to too, run. Yeah. And you know what? It's really, it's who needs it great. Yeah. You don't walking's fine. Thank you. Um, so I love walking. I love hiking. Um, but then I love lifting. I love cycling though. Like I'm a still oh, cycle yeah. hoe. Like, okay. If you let me go to cycle every day, I would. Um, <laughs> Not an ad. I just love them. Um, it's an expensive habit. I know. I, I haven't gone in forever. Let it go. Yeah. But I'm like, if Peloton sent me a bike. Um, so yeah, definitely. They can't afford it right well, now. That's fine. Um, having problems. Um, so yeah, working out. Um, also, I'm the type of person that like when I am busy, I will not eat. And that's not like avoidant behavior. I'm just like too busy. So if like I don't have meals planned out, I just won't eat. So I've been really big about like food prep and figure out my like food for the week and um, also like intuitive eating of like eating what I want to eat and maybe in not labeling any food as bad. And I think that's a really interesting way, especially as someone who is dealing with recovery from eating disorder. Um, but like last night I was ha- having really big feelings. And so I baked a peach cobbler cause I was thinking about my grandma that was her favorite dessert. So I made a peach cobbler and then ate it in my bed at nine o'clock. And I was like, this feeds my soul and this makes me that's feel right. happy. Um, it's so like doing things like that. Um, I mean, that's a self care practice. It was so good. I bet it was. I literally because it was homemade too. It was homemade. What? It was the bub. We'll talk. The, <laughs> the sound of butter sizzling is the most beautiful ASMR I've ever experienced in my whole life. Um, so I do like so that. I also really love cooking and baking. So like when I'm sad, I bake and just like pass out baked goods constantly. So if you want to get on the list, let me know. I do. Um, what else? I talk a lot. Um, besides like podcasting, my best friend Shelby and I Facetime pretty much every day and we have this new thing that we learned from well i learned from sophia butch's podcast who i love of like purge or problem solve and so shelby and i talk about our lives a lot but it's like are you just getting it out there or would you like me to help you solve this problem and so like that's been like a shortcut conversation that we have of like there's this thing i'm going through like is this a purge or problem solve and just like how our communication has like just really grown from that so being able to talk to people a lot helps and that's good. A purge or a problem solve. Purge or problem I like that because I kind of did that with my daughter the other day and she was telling me something and I just immediately went to problem solve. Like, we all she do. Goes, you know, mom, this is, I just wanted to say it. And yeah. I was like, oh, you know what? Great. Right. I went into trying to help. So I'm sorry. Yeah. We should clarify in advance. Yeah. So it's, it's I found it because I'm the same. I'm like, how good. can I fix this? I'm like, what do you need in this moment? Mm-hmm. And really creating that space for other people. Um, yeah, I like to go out with friends. I like to walk. Anytime I see a dog, someone just had their dog here and they're like me and my whole day. Um, Mouthy. yeah, I don't have a dog and I think it's because if I did, I'd never leave my house. So this is like my way <laughs> of still being a social person. Um, but yeah, just, and also I try to tell myself one day, every day, like one thing I like about myself, which like is that. a really nice practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of, and most of the time it's not, it's who I am. And, and, you know, last, oh, what's time? 2020. 
I made the decision before the pandemic was the pandemic um, to not date and just really focus on who I am, but who I am outside of every relationship I have. So who am I as a person? Um, and I don't think we ask ourselves that. It's like, well, I'm such and such as sister or I'm, you know, a really good coworker. It's all relational. All relational. So for me, it's like, who am I mm-hmm. and what do I want in my life? I did a lot of questioning around if I decide to have become a mother. But right now I'm like, if I have kids, I want to be a single mom because I just feel like I'm going to raise my kid the best alone. That comes from a stem of like not trusting mm-hmm. my father. There's which, some, something unpacking there. In which I did. That was the whole <laughs> year of like, what is this like feeling to be a single mom? What is this feeling of like, why am I not good enough? Like, why don't I deserve? Because I was like, I want to be a single mom. Like, but what did that mean for my kid? And my friend who's a therapist is like, well, why are you completely discounting a, par- a partner? And like unpacking all the stuff I went through with my dad, which is a whole nother conversation. Um But for me, essentially, like my mom died when I was 15 and my dad and I stopped talking when I was 18. So I don't trust people to love me long term. And so I've never had a relationship longer than three months or I would date people who I knew weren't emotionally available as like an easy out. Um, And so I've really been unpacking like who I am. Are you still in that mode? Not at all. Okay. That was just in 2020, right? I was turning 30. I was single. I was like, oh my God, I'm a failure as a woman. I'm like, no, let's take that all out. Um, But I also got to talk to so many parents and I had, I I talked to parents who had adopted. I talked to adults who had been adopted. I talked to single parents and I talked to the kids of single parents and just like got to have conversation about what does your life look like? What was your experience? Um, And then also knowing that like if something were to happen to me, I'd have a will and I'd trust someone to raise my kid in my absence. And, you know, if I end up being a single parent, my kid won't have just me. They'll have all the people in my life to like have an experience with and help mold them. So I did all that work then. Um, I've also unpacked you know, my trust around relationships and realizing who I am and what I want. And for me, it was a lot of work around this sort of connotation of like, women are too picky. And I was like, no, I'm selective. Like, why should I have to settle? And I think that's a really scary thing for me. Um, My friend Aaron, I talked about this, like being a black woman who being a black woman dating in a predominantly white city is really hard. Like black women aren't treated that well. And so it's like we aren't even like asked on dates. People just want to sleep with us like we're over sexualized or if we are asked on dates or like black or better term, like super cheap dates. Like it's not like anyone like wines or dines us. And we have to deal with like colorism, fat phobia, queer phobia, like all these things I was talking about before. And so me being able to combat that and be like, no, I am deserving of everything that everybody else has. And I'm allowed to say no. And I'm allowed to say yes. And I'm allowed to do all these other things like that was another conversation that I was able to have with myself in that year. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of the ways I just take care of myself is a lot of self check-ins, especially at the end of the day, before I go to bed of like, how is today? How do you feel? Are you proud of the things you've done today? And if not, that's okay. You're human. You're allowed to like try again tomorrow. Yeah. It's another one of those t- uh, spaces where you cannot label it, you know, mm-hmm. like you can just go, it's a day, not a life. Or what, it's a bad day, not a bad life. It's a bad day, not, but maybe you take bad out of it. It's a day. It's a day. It's a day in a life, you know, which it really is. Yeah. Um, but I've been on a kick of trying to take labels off of things and just accept that this is all part of this whole thing we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got to have one side to see the other side too, you know? Yeah. And that's why I tell people too. I once had someone who said, you would go back and like change. No, you would not go back and change your mom 
passing. I was like, no, I would. Like, I would give anything to have her back here. I was like, I know that it would change who I am as a person. I'm like, but I also think about that other life I could possibly have. And, you know, that sort of like, what's it? What's that movie? Oh, Sliding friend. Doors Sliding. starring Gwen. Thank you. I was like, my friend Gwen, we're not really friends, but I'm speaking into existence. Um, <laughs> my friend Gwenny. Um, but yeah, that thing of like your life could look so much differently. And I love that movie. And one of the things I think about is mm-hmm. like that. With my mom, like how different my life would look if she was still here. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I just the funny like, thing about that movie, though, is that she kind of ended up in the same place. Mm-hmm. So it's almost just two roads to yeah, I your feel like own I'd awakening. Still, I'd still be successful. I'd still be happy. I just would have my mom to share I know. with. My mom's passed too. Yeah. And so what year did your mom die? Oh, six. Oh, mine? Uh, oh, five. Yeah. So yeah. It's a long time so, to be without your mom. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. now been gone longer than she was with me, which is like such a Oh, mind. I didn't think of it like yeah. that for you. Yeah. yeah. And it's such like, it just hit, it was this year. And I'm like, holy crap, which feels like yesterday, but also like time. Like, I feel like no time has passed. But what my grandma just passed in January. So we went to like the family photo box. Was this your mom? This was your mom's mom. My mom's mom, who I lived with my grandma for six years, mm-hmm. which during college and then two years after. Um, and <sighs> that was probably the biggest joy of my life to be able to like know her and realize like how many people don't know your grandparents and like she was so cool like she gave up a college scholarship to play basketball and like was a seamstress instead like a self-taught seamstress and like everyone she made everybody's dresses like just talk like just talking to people about that and getting to experience other people's experience of her and just getting to know her as like she was a tourist which I feel is very important um but she was like one of the most funny and also like shady grandma people to ever walk this <laughs> earth. Um, but what yeah, her, just, what was her name? Sally Ann. Sally Ann Sledge, the real MVP. <laughs> hey, that's a good name. Truly. It was McCall, but then she got married. So it was Sally, Sally Ann Sledge. Um, but yeah, she was just so cool. And so, like, that's been hard because I've like missed, I've missed her, but also I have so many voicemails from her, which is like, she always left a voicemail if I didn't answer the phone. Mm. So I have so many of her just being like, up oh, once again, the jet plane is just unreachable. She called me the jet plane. Um, but yeah, just like that sort of stuff of just, that's another thing too. Like, I just want more people to have more time with like your grandparents and your parents. Like that, yeah, for people to message me, like the fact that you and your grandma were so much alike and we looked alike and I didn't realize that Ty went through photos, like, holy crap, jeans are weird. Um, but yeah, just like thinking and, you know, being a really lucky that I grew up super religiously, but also believing in like tarot and afterlife and astrology and just being like, she's not gone. She's still with me. Um, but then, yeah, it's just it's just been such a joy to like feel that still. Yeah. And that you got to spend that time with her. So much time. I lived with her. Like mm-hmm. I learned that she hated putting gas in her car. I also learned she had a she had a 2000 blue chevy cavalier she had that car for 20 years that car had ten thousand miles she went nowhere she went to church and the grocery store and and joanne fabrics that was it well it was one of the best things you learned from her she was that you take with you one of the most what was one of the most inspiring things about her that or that Mm. i don't know that stays with you um one of the things i really loved about her um her and my grandfather were 16 years apart he passed in 08 um, and she never like dated after him. She's like, I had my greatest love and he gave me five children and I've had a beautiful life. And, you know, she had five kids. I think there's like 12 cousins, 13 cousins. Um, and she has f- four great grandchildren. Like she just like was so loved and so surrounded. And, 
you know, she was very strong in her faith. Like she believed in God so deeply. Um, and just to like have that sort of person in my life of who was just like such a good person, such a faithful person who's so giving, not selfless, because I hate that we like award selflessness to women, but she was very giving. Um, and just to like have that sort of representation and example in her was such a joy. I love that. And I, I don't like that selfless thing either. Yeah, I hate that. Take care of yourself. Why do you have to get rid of ourselves? Why is that like such a good thing? Anyway, I can tell her about that for like seven days. I'm sure both my (laughs) ex-husbands can too. Uh, (laughs) But um, I think that's really beautiful. Have you always been this compassionate? Have you always been like a super compassionate? Pisces, yes. (laughs) So really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I cry at the drop of a hat. I cry, I cry often and I love that about me. Um, but I also am really lucky that I am able to see, I was a social worker for a long time. And I mm-hmm. think that was also the reason why I went into this work is like, I'm able to see so many different perspectives of like, there's two sides to every story, three sides, if you believe like yours, mine and the truth, but there's at least two people experiencing this um, and being able to always see things from other perspectives and and not take sides and not to, um, overthink that like one person is right and one person is wrong we're just like listen but yeah to have grown up with so many different types of people i grew up in a very diverse place um i grew up in hamden connecticut which is just outside new haven connecticut um and when the year i graduated the racial breakdown was 40 percent white 40 percent black and then 20 percent other people of color it's like a super diverse place um and i think that really helped too like being able to be around so many different types of people growing mm-hmm. up um but yeah i've always been this emotionally compassionate perspective, vivid dreamer, sort of like witchy can see the future person. It's really weird um, and and cool. Um, but yeah, I've, I've just always been. Yeah. Yeah. My family's like, you've been here before. Like that well, I mean, it's, like an old it soul. comes across. Yeah. You know, oh, that, thank you. Well, yeah. And I just was like, <clears throat> you don't just start doing this and all of a sudden develop that, you know, like you seem a natural fit for these types of conversations, for this type of thinking. You're very thoughtful and compassionate about all these different types of people and hearing them, understanding where they're coming from, understanding their story and understanding their voice. And it's really like, it's really amazing and inspiring for me too. You know, I want to, I want to be that type of person that really sees people and, and I, yeah, I think that that's just a good voice to have amplified in this world. That's for damn sure. Thank so you. are you going to cry again? No, I'm not. Oh, good. Okay. No, damn no, it. no I kind of want to make you cry again. No, it, it'll happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I did an Instagram live two weeks ago. I don't know. What is mm-hmm. time? Again. Um, my friend called me after because she watched it. She's like, you were made to speak, to like talk to people, to create the space and space for conversation. I was like, oh, thank you. Like, I, I think... I was reading something the other day, like we get so used to our own magic that we forget about it. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, and so thank you for that. that, that or that doubt that it, you know, yeah. forget about it, doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. So to hear that is is really beautiful. And I really love that. And I accept that and accept that compliment. Good. I'm trying to do that more. I know, right. Receiving. Um, I'm trying like not to deflect. And then also like how rude is it to like tell someone, no, no, like, uh, like to deflect someone's compliment. I'm also trying to think of that too. Yeah. You have to think of that. I, I was thinking that it almost discounts what they're saying. You're mm-hmm. like not listening or not, right. or even worse, not believing them and thinking mm-hmm. they don't know what they're talking about. Right. You know? So yeah, I'm trying to so, be better about it. So thank you. Good. Yeah, you should. I mean, like, I don't like the word should, but yes, 
that is a good thing to stay attentive to. I'm trying. And I'm doing the same thing. Yes. Um, all right. Well, as we wrap up, which I just, I, I want to say, just like I said, thank you for your perspective. And I find it just really, um, open hearted and valuable. So valuable. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you could come here today. And in closing, I'm just wondering, like, is there anything that you really wanted to say today? Anything that is on your heart or just something that speaks to you right now in this moment that you want to leave with today? Hmm. You can take a second. And I'm trying to think like what's something that's touched me lately, which is a lot. Um, The first thing that just came to my mind is, so I take a lot of road trips, which we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, There was, my road trip in 2018 was I took a solo trip to Denver and I drove. So Do you tw- listen to podcasts all the time or podcast or a playlist? Okay. Or, um, or books. Um, and, you know, I got into Denver. It was right after I stopped seeing this one girl. We'll circle back to that another day. Um, but I was essentially like running away. I'm a, my Sag is in, my boon is in Sagittarius. So, I love chaos. Um, I like to travel. I like to move around. Like when I feel cornered mm-hmm. or unsure, I would just like move again. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'll move to Denver. And so I was literally like in Denver for a week looking at apartments. My lease was nowhere near up, but I was just like considering it. Um, and I drove by this huge mur- mural in Denver and it said, no matter where you go, there you are. And I just felt like God of the universe, like you needed like focus on yourself and put yourself first. And so I just want all people to like think about the fact that your relationship with yourself is the most important one that you'll ever have. It's the one you should be investing in the most. Um, like I said, I've I've really worked on liking and loving myself and I feel really lucky about that. And so, yeah, I would just tell people to like do the self work. Um, if that's journaling, if that's just like turning off your phone and meditating, if that's going on a walk, if, you know, you're able to afford therapy and go and work through it in therapy, but yeah, I would just really love us to invest in ourselves and it's not selfish to want to be better and it's not, you know, self-centered to think highly of yourself and it's not mm-hmm. rude to be like, no, I don't want to do this thing. Like you don't have to make yourself uncomfortable to make other people happy. Put yourself first in that way. So yeah, that's the, for, that's the first or thing. saying something on. nice to yourself every day like you do. Truly. What was the nice thing you said to yourself today? You're doing a good job. Oh. Yeah, I was having back-to-back meetings and super stressed, like, you're doing a good job. I don't think I've said anything nice to myself today. <clears throat> I know. Now's the time. <clears throat> Now's the time. All mm-hmm. right. Um, you're showing up, and that's a beautiful thing, you know? Keep showing up. Keep showing up. I know I'm going to keep showing up. But yeah. You are too. But you got to say it to yourself some days. Yeah, you do. Even like if if it's your job and a thing you love, it's still tiring. I'm like I keep showing up. You I'm keep still there. showing up. Mm-hmm. You can take breaks. Truly, I'm a, listen. Have your peach cobbler break. So good. <laughs> it's so, so good. good. Um, well, I want everyone to be able to find you, and you have a very comprehensive list <laughs> of l- press on your website mm-hmm. where people can go listen to you talk about. DEI, all the things, whatever they want. I did not see listed on there any of Bear. Is that No, it hasn't come out yet. When does that come out? So the first episode will be out in the beginning of March. Oh, okay. Um, So it's coming very soon. Oh, Their website is up, but it's not my stuff yet. 
So okay. you can go to getmegiddy.com and they have all the stuff mm-hmm. about their company. But yeah, mine won't be out till the beginning of March, which I'm really excited about. Oh, I'm so excited. And will it be coming out every week or? So it will be a week to week. Um, right now, the plan is to do, we're going to do, we're going to put it into clips because attention mm-hmm. span is short these days. Um, so it'll be like over the week. They'll just have different clips from the one. Um, okay, I need to figure out if we're going to release the whole thing though. I wonder. It's circle back. I hope so. I hope so too. Mm-hmm. They're really good interviews. Um, but yeah, so that's that's bear. Um, my podcast can be found at the tea with com. My website is com. That's B-R-I-O-N-A-J-E-N-K-I-N-S. Um, same for my Instagram at Brianna Jenkins. And those links are all going to be in the show yeah. notes so everyone can find you very easily. Yeah, my consulting page is up there. If you go to my main website, you'll find my consulting, my podcast, it's all and that on sort of there. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a very organized person. I like it. Which you got my birthday text that has a website I created for my birthday. <laughs> Everyone's been like, you're so organized. Like, this is how I survive the day, people. Like, I have an automatic calendar thing. Anyway, um, but yeah, you can find all my stuff up there. Oh, good. Well, I want to say thank you so much. I've thank so you. enjoyed meeting you. It's just been a total surprise because we met through Angie, who was on this show. And we both helped with Truth Be Told and that beautiful project to help women. And so it yeah. sure was wonderful to meet you. We did a truth circle together, got to hold hands. And I know when I first our, met you, I was like, I want to be her friend. I was like, I want to be your friend like you too. You came in, your outfit was so great. Your necklace that I really loved. I was thank like, oh, you. Friend. So thank really you. That makes me feel so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm happy we're friends. See, there's something nice you can say to yourself. <laughs> People want to be friends with me. They do. <laughs> they do. Yeah. My friend just got a message of like, hi, I don't know if you're accepting friend applications, but I want to submit one. I'm like, I love that so much. Yeah. Like, being someone's friend's an honor too. Like I feel like that's like like the biggest compliment you can give. Like, no, she's my friend. So it is. And you know, I've let my insecurity get the best of me too many times. And I'm like, do they really like me? Like, yes. you know. Uh one of my best guy friends, um, I don't know, it took me years really. And we were talking on the phone like every day. And later I told him, I was like, you know, I didn't really feel secure. And he was like, Why? Why? And I'm like, it's my own mm-hmm. stuff. Right. So, yeah, you know, people love you. People People love me. People want to be your friend. People want to be my friend. People want to be your friend. Sure. It's a practice. (laughs) (laughs) It's a practice. Brie, thank you so much for being here today. Of course. Thank you for having me. This was such a joy. I would. Yeah. I want to live here. Like, let's just do this every day. Come on. Come on. Move in. Let's release (laughs) one every single day. I'm ready. Uh, You you and I could probably both just continue talking nonstop for days. We'd have to like have a whole week. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much. And I'd encourage encourage everyone to look you up and definitely follow you on social media to keep up. Thank you. Yeah. Can't wait for your memoir. (sighs) I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming. Huge thanks to Brie for being here today. I love her so much. We even had just another really good heartfelt talk as she was leaving. And I wish we had still been recording because this is just a wonderful woman. And so um, anyway, I admire her so much. So thank you so much to Brie for making time today and coming and sharing her voice. And thank you to you for being here as well. Um, Yeah. Say something nice to yourself. If you haven't done that, I, I hope you thought about it. It was funny when I was put on the spot. I really had a moment where I was like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Isn't that sad? <sighs> say something nice about yourself. Just do it. I'm going to make Alyssa do it. Alyssa, think up something nice to say about yourself. <laughs> we all should do it. It's it's a it's a good practice. And so um, 
thank you to her. Thank you to you. And thank you for being here. Remember that you can uh, get these shows twice a week now. That's right. We're coming out on Monday and Thursday. I'm so excited. I'm enjoying it so far. It's still, I'm still getting in the groove, but you know what? It's pushing yourself to be uncomfortable. And that is a good thing, even when it just comes in random ways that you're not quite expecting. And so I'm so excited to be growing and pushing and trying something new. So subscribe to the show. You'll get it Mondays and Thursdays and always an interview on Thursday. And um, yeah, newsletters at amyedwards.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, share with a friend. It all matters. And reach out to me anytime with thoughts or comments. I would love to know. You can reach me, amy at amyedwards.com. And you can also reach out on Instagram at realamyedwards. And I am active on TikTok as well. I'm at the magic babe. Um, new episodes dropping twice a week. So thank you, Alyssa. Thank you again to Bree. Thank you to you for being here. And um, have you said something? Have you thought of something nice? And did you think of something nice to say about yourself? What'd you say, Alyssa? She didn't think of anything yet. It's hard, isn't it? It's kind of hard. So anyway, say something nice to yourself. You know what? Because you are loved. Your story is valuable. Maybe just say that. Say, my story is valuable. My story is awesome. My story matters. My voice matters. Boy, I can do it for somebody else like that. When it comes to doing it for yourself, it can be a little more challenging. So there's some there's some starter phrases right there. So take your pick and say it to yourself or say, I love you looking in the mirror because that matters too. And I love you and I love me. <laughs> and may you have all the abundance and joy and wonderfulness coming your way. Till next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this show, please rate and review. It totally matters. And I encourage you to spread the love too and share this episode with a friend if you feel called. 